0: Welcome to another lecture presented by members of the Syracuse New York class. My name is Sharon Welch, and I'll be your moderator for this class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious, and scientific research organization Dedicated and showing proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school is a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in 1958. Since that time, we have established brand schools throughout the United States, Canada, and other certain foreign countries. The Syracuse New York class was established in 1969. The dean of the Syracuse New York class is Dr. Patrick Triveson. <clears throat> the president is Dr. Robert Welch. And our vice president is Dr. John Cometti. Now, in this school, we use the true Correct and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been mistranslated to read Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been mistranslated to read God. And the true name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been mistranslated to read Jesus. Now, Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit states in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5 that there are Lord's many and that there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that is the title that the Creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. A minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet they would produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our English language until some 1,400 years after the death of the Messiah, making such names as Jesus and Jehovah improper renderings of the true name of the Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit. And in that state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on the Moses chart as <clears throat> symbolized on this chart is a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have this cloud painted all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart abides within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Yahweh, knowing that man cannot perceive of him in this pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form and right within himself known as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is a shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine vision and understood in divine revelation. Later on, this self-same spirit <clears throat> manifested himself and walked the earth plane known as Yash for the Messiah, whom the world erroneously calls Jesus Christ. Now, there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is, what was the name of the Messiah at the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of the name and title can be had by reading the preface of the Holy Name Bible. Also, in this school, we teach by a divine pattern. It's called a divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai. He showed him this tabernacle pattern in a vision. He instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness of Sinai. This tabernacle pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place and a court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. We also go, also go about in this scoop to show proof how that everything in the universe is made and operate according to the structure and function of the threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. <clears throat> Our 10 primary constitutional aims and objectives are as follows. First is to help you find and know Yahweh, our Elohim, as he really is and actually exists. Second is to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity and Yahshua the Messiah (coughs) without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, cast, or color. Third is to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth is to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical, and occult science. Fifth is to extirpate current superstition, skepticism, and ignorance. Sixth is to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensation in ages. Seventh is to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensation of time. Eighth is to earnestly contend for the common salvation of faith which was once to live in the sons of children of Yahweh. Ninth is to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby men can be saved, save in the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth is to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification and the new state. <clears throat> I watch where this peace. And our slogan is Speak the Truth. <clears throat> At this time, I'd like to have the class dedicated in prayer um, by um, Dr. Daryl Hughes. That'll be followed <clears throat> by a scripture, which is 2 Timothy, the first chapter And that and all scriptures will be read by Dr. Scott Miller. And Dr. Linda Volpe will be our other
1: reader for this class. Dr. Hughes. Let us all bow our hearts and minds. Almighty and most merciful Father, we come together again with just such great thanks to you that you would show such a, magnificent and perfect love to bring us down to call us and to show us something about you so that we might know you and that we might become one with you that we might become your children we just ask that you free our minds of all physical distractions and set our our eye on the spirit and that we might share this great gospel, and we may learn from this, and that we may grow in all of your wondrous attributes, especially love. And we're just so thankful to be here. Thank you, Yeshua. In the name of Yeshua, let us all say hallelujah.
2: Hallelujah.
3: Good evening and afternoon, class. Tonight's scripture will be read out of the Holy Name Bible containing the holy name version of the Old New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts revised by A.B. Trana of the Scripture Research Association. 2 Timothy, the first chapter. Saul, an apostle of Yahshua the Messiah, by the will of Yahweh, according to the promise of life which is in Yahshua the Messiah. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from Yahweh the Father, And Yahshua the Messiah, our Savior. I thank Yahweh, whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of Yahweh, which is in thee by the putting off of my hands. For Yahweh hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, and of love, and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Savior, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the evangel according to the power of Yahweh who hath saved us and called us with a holy comb, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Yahshua the Messiah before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the glad tidings. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the nations. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me, in faith and love, which is in Yahshua the Messiah. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Spirit which dwelleth in us. This thou knowest. That all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are phagellus and Hermogenes. Yahweh give mercy unto the house of Oniferous, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when in Rome, when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. Yahweh grant unto him that he may find mercy in that day, and in how in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou
2: knowest very well. It's Second Timothy, the first chapter. Thank you, Dr.
0: Hughes and Dr. Miller. I'd like to thank everyone for attending our class this evening. Um, Not sure about the format this evening, um, but for our first speaker will be the dean of a Syracuse, New York class, Dr. Patrick Trevison. Good
4: evening, everybody. Good evening. Uh, evening, It would, of course, happen that... uh, our phone would ring just as, you know, we're supposed to take it off the hook. But <laughs> our phone always rings, and it's it's always something chaotic has always got to happen, just as class is beginning. Um, I would like to touch on this scripture reading, but there's an article that I would like to share with you a few of these things in this article. Um, it really hit home with me, some of the principles in this article. And I'm going to have my wife read some of the things in this article because she's right here and it, it makes it much simpler. Um, so let's start with the scripture reading. Let's start uh, with the seventh verse,
5: Second Timothy one seven. For Yahweh hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.
4: No, Yahweh hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power which is an attribute, divine attribute, and of love, attribute, and of a sound mind, which is knowledge, which is intelligence. Again, attributes. He has given us of his Holy Spirit. It's not fear. But it's, those, it's through his love for his creatures, he has given us these divine attributes. Read, please.
5: Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our master, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of Yahweh.
4: No. Be not therefore ashamed. I want you to hold that there for one minute. And I want to go over to Romans, the first chapter, and start reading in the 15th verse.
3: Romans 1 and 15. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also.
4: Now, this is Paul. And he is going to preach the gospel to those who are in the class in Rome. The class which is at Rome. Read, please. For I am not
3: ashamed of the gospel of the Messiah.
4: Now that he's just repeating what was said right here in what Timothy is saying here over in Timothy that he was not ashamed of the gospel. Paul saying, for I am not ashamed. Go ahead, Scott, read it. For
3: I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Messiah, for it is the power of Yahweh
4: unto salvation. To for everyone. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Yahshua, for it is the power of salvation. It's the power of salvation. Now we're going to hold that there. We're going to get First Corinthians 15 and start reading in the first verse.
5: First Corinthians 15:1 Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received and in which
4: ye stand. See, now, you can read in your book, and it'll tell you that there's a gospel of Matthew, a gospel of Mark, a gospel of Luke, a gospel according to St. John. St. is wrong. The gospel according to John is wrong. Those are not the gospels. Now, Paul is going to declare to you precisely what the gospel is. Read.
5: By which also ye are saved.
4: And this will save you. We read over there, it was read over there in Romans that this was the power of salvation. There's a reason we're going back into these basic things. I know you all know them, but there's a reason why. Go ahead. By
5: which also ye are saved. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you,
4: unless you believed got in faith. you keep in memory. If you keep it in memory. If you keep it in memory. There are many who have not kept it in memory. There are many who have forgotten it. There are many who disown it now. There are many who poo-poo it now. There are many now who think that it is antiquated. There are many now who think that it is no longer necessary. It is very up to date. It is very necessary for your soul salvation. Read, please.
5: If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain.
4: Unless you have made it empty. Unless you have made it meaningless. Unless you have made it of of no use. Read.
5: For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Yahshua died for our sins, according to the scriptures.
4: Now this, is what the gospel is. How that Yahshua died for our sins according to the scriptures, which is the first five books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's the law. And the next 34 books called the prophets. That's the law. And the prophets, those are the scriptures, how the Yahshua died for our sins, according to the scriptures, according to the law and the prophets. Read. And that he was buried. And that he that he was buried.
5: And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures.
4: And that he rose again the third day, according to those very same scriptures. And we can run on the charts for you, the 40 plate chart. We can run on the basic elementary chart for you. Those principles of death, burial, resurrection. We can run through the creation for you those principles of death, burial, resurrection, and show how they're pertinent in your everyday life, how they're pertinent right now, how you're going through the springtime of your life, and you're so happy to see all the flowers come up, and you're so happy to see The trees foliate and the buds come out and you're so happy after a long, harsh winter, which was a burial, after a death in the autumn, when everything dies back, there's a death and a burial, and then there's a resurrection every single year of your life, which you cannot deny you simply cannot deny it. Now that's in your creation. And the creation is a part of the Genesis, which is a part of the law of Moses. You see it all ties together. So keep reading Linda. Uh,
5: and he, and that he was seen of Cephas and then of the twelve. After that- That's
4: good, was- that's good. That's what I wanted to get. Now we'll go back to the scripture reading and pick it up in, uh, I think we left off in nine. Yes. Go ahead,
5: Scott.
3: Okay. Second uh, Timothy one and nine. Who has saved us and called
4: us with a holy calling? Now he has saved us and called us. You are called. You are called. Not everyone gets called. You are called. Many are not called. You have to be called. You don't call him, he calls you. And he has saved us. And called us with a holy calling. Read.
3: Not according to our works.
4: Not according to anything that you did. Not according to any of your so-called righteousness. Not according to anything that you did in your life. That you thought was You were being so righteous, or so holy, or so good, not according to your works. But according to his own purpose. But according according to his purpose. There's a purpose. According to his will, his will, his purpose. It's according to his purpose that he called you. Why? Because you deserved it? No, just because he called you. It was by grace. It was just by grace. unmerited, unearned. Not by anything that you did. Now we'll maybe get back to this and end with this, but I want to go to this article. I want to share something with you that's in this article, and this was worked with in Syracuse two or three weeks ago, but I wanted to share it with some folks online. Um uh, some folks uh that otherwise might not have an opportunity to hear some of these things. This is taken from National Geographic. And uh, the name of the article is Forcibly Removed. Forcibly Removed. And my wife's gonna just pick up some things that are underlined
2: in this article. Read. This is National Geographic, May of 2023. Forcibly removed. Uh page 80.
6: Um,
2: children were forced to attend these schools that typically had little to do with education or Christianity.
4: Now there were schools set up. By these. Uh, By the white people, by the white man, by the government, and by by the religious leaders um, to try to take the Indian out of the Indian, to try to make the Indian white, to try to do away with his... uh, religion, to try to do away with his religious beliefs, to try to do away with his languages, to try to do away with his customs, to try to do away with everything. And just really just, uh, it was genocide. both by killing them and by killing their speech and customs. Read.
2: For many native peoples, the schools were ongoing nightmares of reprogramming, abuse, child labor, and torture. So there was abuse that
4: went on. There was reprogramming that went on. There was torture that went on. This was not what was supposed to be going on at these schools. Read.
2: Uh, Child labor and torture that continued to haunt native families and communities to this day. To this very day that still haunts many families. Read. From the moment Columbus dropped anchor off the shores of the Bahamas in the late 15th century, Native children became prized pawns in the battle, for the subjugation and domination of the Western Hemisphere. They
4: wanted subjugation and domination of the Western Hemisphere. And children became pawns. Pawns are something, if you've ever played chess, they were the little guys that you moved around the board pawns were these pe- th- these l- little people that they could use uh, as they could use as uh, what's the word I'm looking for disposable yes disposable but uh, for power. They could gain power through them because they know what they knew what these little what these children and this these offspring meant to these people.
2: Read. Let's see. Native children became prize pawns in the battle for the subjugation and domination of the western hemisphere european missionaries operating under papal bulls that no no these these
4: uh read that again please
2: european missionaries european missionaries operating under papal bulls under
4: papal
2: bulls That outlined the doctrine of discovery. That outlined the doctrine of discovery, Reed. Began distancing native children from their parents. Began to take native children away from their parents. By establishing mission schools in which the kids were little more than unpaid laborers.
4: The kids really became little more and slaves, unpaid laborers, read.
2: In the mission system, education was code for Catholic conversion. It was code for Catholic, Catholic conversion, read. Native children were de facto hostages. Who endured slavery. They endured
4: labor. slavery.
2: Forced labor. Forced labor. Debt? Peonage? I don't know what that is. Violence and sexual abuse. Violence and
4: sexual abuse.
2: Ecclesiastes. Now this
4: was in the Catholic system. Mm-hmm. This was in the Holy Roman Catholic
2: church system. Read. Ecclesiastical slavery is how a British merchant described it after visiting the California missions.
4: Ecclesiastical slavery. What a lovely phrase that is.
2: Read. After uh, these brutal human rights abuses, Wait a minute. Let's see. These brutal human rights abuses perpetrated by the Roman Catholic Church went on for centuries.
4: These these things perpetrated upon these people went on for
2: centuries, or hundreds of years. we Native children as young as four were forcibly rounded up. Parents who resisted were imprisoned and denied food rations on the reservations as punishment. Uh, Dropping down. The children often lived in overcrowded dorms amid unsanitary conditions. Diseases such as tuberculosis and
4: measles. Diseases such as
2: tuberculosis, measles. Were right. Were widespread. Nutrition poor.
4: Nutrition was poor.
2: And medical care inadequate.
4: Medical care was
2: inadequate. They were routinely subjected to physical, psychological, and sexual abuse. They were routinely
4: subjected to every kind of abuse imaginable.
2: By the same people who had been charged with protecting them.
4: By the same people who were supposed to be protecting them in the name of Jesus. Think about these things, folks. This is the church many of us belong to. Read.
2: Some students died from disease or suicide.
4: Some kids died from disease or suicide.
2: Others perished under mysterious circumstances. Many
4: perished under mysterious circumstances. They are still uncovering many graves and mass graves in Canada and the United States. Me?
2: buried without death certificates and interred in unmarked graves. They were
4: buried without certificates and buried in unmarked graves.
2: Their families given little information. Their
4: families were given no information.
2: About what had happened to their children.
4: About what? had happened to their children. Think about this now. Think about if if this had been your kids and your kids had been forcibly removed from you. Think about how heart-wrenching this would be. Now, In your scripture reading, he said that you had not been given, in verse 7, for Yahweh hath not given us the spirit of fear. Now that's the spirit of fear. That's a spirit of fear. To be afraid that your kids would be wrenched away from you. He's given us a totally different spirit of love, of power. All the different things that Catholicism never gave us. It just simply never gave us. Now go back to the scripture reading. Read the 10th verse now, Scott. 2
3: Timothy 1 and 10. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, who hath abolished death. Now and he ha-
4: has abolished death. We're not afraid of death. All these poor people that that had to go through all these centuries of this abuse by the church were always afraid of death. And they became so afraid of the Catholic church that sometimes they welcomed death. Isn't that something when you have to be so afraid of the people who are supposed to be taking care of you. We never have to be afraid of Yahshua. We never have to worry about him taking care of us. We never have to worry about whether he's going to hold us in his hands. We never, ever have to fear We never have to. And it's a wonderful thing to know about a new covenant, one that Catholicism never could give us, one that you see through history, and you see through the history of the Catholic Church, that this church could never give to you. It could never, never give you the kind of heart that you had to have. It could never give it to you, and I'm not going to get into a whole lot about the heart and everything, although I'd love to. I'm I'm going to save time, and at this time. Uh, turn it back to the moderator.
2: No, turn back to the
4: moderator. I'm going to turn it back to the moderator. I thank you very much for your patience, and. Um, All praise and glory belongs to Yahshua, who has us in
0: his hands. Thank you very much, Dr. Trevison. For our next speaker, I'd like to call on Dr. Diane Emler from our Oceanside California class. Dr. Emler.
6: Hello everyone. Hello. Hello. Hi. Um I um I I'd like to say I enjoyed the remarks of the first speaker but um they weren't very enjoyable remarks. Uh The mystery of iniquity. Um, let's just run over to uh Revelation 12 and probably around seven.
5: Revelation 12 7. And there was
6: a war in heaven,
5: Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels.
6: Now <clears throat> what uh john is writing about here uh in the um in his vision is what he was shown um about the mystery of iniquity and he speaks about this mystery of iniquity uh transpiring um or his actions in heaven and it said uh just pick it up again
5: and there was war in heaven michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels read and prevailed not neither was their place found anymore in heaven
6: So, when that mystery of iniquity lost its battle uh, to Michael in heaven, it was then decided that there was no place found in heaven anymore. Uh, That's good news for us, uh, because if you find yourself fortunate enough to be Uh, in heaven. The mystery of iniquity will not be there. Go ahead and read.
5: And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, who deceiveth the whole world.
6: Now it says that that mystery of iniquity was cast out of heaven onto the earth plane and that that mystery of iniquity deceived the whole world. That in and of itself is uh, was certainly news to me when I first was introduced to this gospel. I had never really thought about the devil too much. Um, I knew that there were bad people in the earth, uh, but I I don't know that I attributed that to the devil. Um, when I went to church and I was brought up Presbyterian, um, They spoke about God and um, things that God wanted us to do to be good Christians. But we never were educated uh, on the mystery of iniquity or the devil. In fact, I probably didn't even believe in a devil uh, before I came into this school. And coming into this school, I realized that um, learning about the mystery of righteousness uh, and learning about the mystery of iniquity went hand in hand because the two um are totally opposite of each other and um highlight each other in other words uh Ricky spoke about in the fall, you have a death and then a burial in the winter. Uh, and back there in Syracuse, uh, winter usually means uh, large quantities of snow. Um, and although I was raised in um Salve, right outside of Syracuse. Um, I spent more time in the state of Wisconsin, um, and in Wisconsin, they never received the amount of snow um, that I had experienced as a kid growing up in Syracuse. But what I did experience in Wisconsin was cold. Cold that, for me, I had never felt before. Um, Where actual temperatures could be 15 or 20 below zero and wind chills up to 50 below zero and That was certainly a death. Um, Literally, you could die if you walked outside and weren't prepared for the weather. So that contrast of the cold and of the snow, that when spring starts to come, I remember my first spring in Wisconsin, and I saw a crocus or something pop up out of the ground. I was totally and absolutely amazed that anything had survived through that bitter cold, and I was blown away in a way that I really never was in Syracuse, because snow to me just meant more watering of the plants. But even in Syracuse, and that snow finally lets go, and something alive comes up, It, it is such a contrast that your appreciation goes Far beyond, uh, let's say, if if you were raised and lived in California, there's not that uh, contrast between um, uh, the winter and the summer or the spring. What I'm trying to say is that mystery of iniquity was created by uh the mystery of righteousness to play the part of that contrast. Um, what is it, Isaiah sixty four is it? I um
2: Create
6: 45 45 Isaiah 45. And if anyone knows what I'm talking, Carl's a little crazy. I form the
3: light and create darkness.
6: Yes, yeah, seven 45 yep. 7. I mean, pick I- it up, Scott, if you need to.
3: Um, okay, uh, Isaiah 45, I'll pick it up at five. All right I, I am Yahweh and there is none else there's
6: no I am Yahweh and there is none else all of these uh gods that for century people worshiped there is uh no other God there is none else. They are all simply idols. And for the most part, the American Indians worship the great spirit. And uh, that is coming pretty close to Yahweh because Yahweh is spirit. All right. Go ahead and read.
3: There is no Elohim beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me. Yes, great. That they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I he am Yahweh.
6: He girded us, or protected us when we never knew him. We did not know him. And he picked us out before the creation ever came into existence. And he followed, if you think that Yahweh got involved in your life when you walked into class, it's not true. He's been involved every single step of the way. Go ahead and read.
3: I am Yahweh and there is none else. I form the light and create darkness.
6: Now he formed the light. Because he is light, read.
3: I make peace and create evil.
6: He made peace from that light, but he had to create evil. Finish it out. I, Yahweh, do
3: all these things.
6: So the world and in my Presbyterian upbringing, I never was told that God created evil, that uh, in uh, John 1 and 1, we read that um, uh, in the beginning, won't we get that?
5: John 1 and 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with Yahweh, and the word was Yahweh.
6: In the beginning was the word, and that was that same word that you read about in Genesis 1-1 when it it reads in the King James that God created the heaven and the earth. Well, properly in there, it should read Elohim, and Elohim is the light that Yahweh formed. Not separate from him, but right within him, he formed the light. So in the beginning was the word, read. And the word was with Yahweh, and the word was Yahweh. It was within Yahweh, and it was Yahweh. These are not two Distinct personalities, these are one, but he has drawn out this light or this righteousness for this purpose to teach us about the righteousness of Yahweh, which is Yahshua. Go ahead and read. The same
5: was in the beginning with Yahweh. Read. All things were made by
7: him.
6: Now, all things were created by him. He created all things. That means he created that mystery of iniquity or Satan. I've heard people teach that Elohim and Satan were brothers. They were not brothers. Elohim is the creator. That word created evil, but formed the light from his own substance. Read.
5: And without him was not anything made that was made.
6: So without him, there wasn't anything made. That was made. So that ought to set straight the world that in Isaiah, he created evil. uh, And right here, he's the one that created all things. And yet they leave the mystery of iniquity off the list of the things that he created. Um, I one time had two Jehovah Witnesses at my door, and they were telling me about how terrible the earth plane was and people's morals and so on. And I said, well, you know, he did create evil, and I thought their mouths were going to hit the cement. They just had never, ever conceived of anything like that and no matter what I pulled out of the book uh, the meaning of the Bible they would not buy the fact that God who is good could create something that is evil and the people in the IDMR often have problems with that as well and I'm not going into a lecture, about that, but he did create that mystery of iniquity from the only substance he had, which was spirit. And yet spirit (laughs) has those uh, 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 attributes, which you would call good. But those attributes, if they are not in the correct proportion, can get way out of whack, folks. They can, you know, if you've got wisdom and knowledge and intelligence, as you read in Ezekiel, that that mystery of iniquity had, but it has no love, then what you have is is putting yourself up on a pedestal, thinking that you're above everyone else, that you have the power, that you are the beautiful one, that you are the one that's smart. And that is the deception of the mystery of iniquity, cutting uh, that mystery of righteousness out of the way by not having that love that he has instilled within us. And when he poured out this mystery uh, uh, of righteousness on the day of Pentecost, he gave us a new heart and a new mind, meaning he had given us that love, which is integral, to the righteousness of Yahweh and Joshua um so he created all things and he's the one that set this mystery of iniquity in motion and he set the head of this mystery of iniquity as the roman catholic Church and all the other false doctrines are coming right out of that mother church, which is the Roman Catholic Church. And if you think this uh, uh, inhumane uh, uh, behavior that they had. Uh, uh, in the 1500s, 1600s, 1700s is old news. Forget about that. You've got papers. uh, We have a story on our San Diego news here just yesterday that the uh, Catholic Diocese of San Diego is uh, declaring bankruptcy and the reason they're declaring bankruptcy is because they've had so many they changed the laws of uh so that if um, you had been molested and it, it was beyond the statutes of limitations. They changed that statute of limitations. And so they've had all these recent, uh, um, uh, cases. Against the Roman Catholic Church. And there's so many of them, they don't, according to them, they don't have the money to pay for it. So they're declaring bankruptcy. So that evil heart, that evil mind is still working to this day. Look at the Roman Catholic Church did the same thing in, uh, in Ireland when you had the great uh, uh, fight and still ongoing in many ways between the Protestants and the Catholics. The Catholics tried to scoop up as many Protestant kids as they could. Why? Because they wanted to make them Catholics. The Catholic Church will tell you they have, I don't know, how many million of members. Well, they take that number from if you were baptized in the Roman Catholic Church. You might have been baptized as an infant and never walked into a church again, but you are counted as a member of the Roman Catholic Church. That's why they keep their numbers of membership so high. They are dubious. They are corrupt. They... If you read history in the Crusades, and oh my gosh, it's just incredible what the uh, uh, Catholics have done down through history, and they are still today doing the exact same thing, and I'm afraid I've run out of steam but um this catholic church I, the biggest crime that they commit is that they have taken hope away from their, their membership. They say that you can only get baptized once. And of course, you do that as an infant. And then any sin that's committed after that, there's, for some sin, There's no forgiveness. And they'll make you go to confession. And I read a book where it used to be the practice of the Roman Catholic Church to ask the priests in confession would ask young boys and girls who weren't even thinking about sex yet asked them poignant questions about the act of sex so that they would feel guilty for the rest of their lives. And many just can't even get over that today this day. They tell you that Jesus is too busy to talk to, so you've got to go to Mary, because what son can say no to his mother? And so if you go to Mary, then she'll go to Jesus, and then Jesus goes to God. Well, it all gets pretty lost in translation they are ruthless. From their beginnings, they are ruthless. Even to this day, when you have so many people filing lawsuits against priests who abuse them, and then the church turns around and files bankruptcy. That's incredible. So, with that, I'm going to turn it back over to the moderator and thank you for the time.
0: Thank you, Dr. Emler. And for our next speaker, we'd like to call on Dr. Deb Cometti from our Syracuse, New York
7: class. Hi, everybody.
3: Hello. Hi, hey, Deb.
7: Hi. Um, well, I have... Um, I have really taken a a dive as Diane said. <laughs> taken a dive with this mystery of iniquity and um you know of course when Ricky was saying the first speaker he was saying can you imagine you know your your children being um, you know ripped out and uh, taken away from you of course you know I have I have little grandchildren and you know I'm just thinking you know, I'm putting myself in in that spot, and just how heinous that act was, and you know what they did, and you know mankind and their their you know inhumanity to man is just. Um, I mean, there's there's no shortage of the hideous things that um, mankind will do. Um, I want to talk about what Ricky was was saying. I want to talk about that fear for a minute because um, it's it's something that um is most prevalent with with most people at one one time or another either in a one situation or it's either uh in a you know a long period of time and um I want to start with first john and um, this this caught my ear way, way ago when I was first in class because um, other, other speakers were um, talking about it. And it just gave me like a little, just a hint of hope that at some point I could be there because it was always something that had happened to me. Uh, there was a fear. There was a fear of uh, going to hell. And I was not raised Catholic. But there was always a fear of going to hell. And so in 1 John, the fourth chapter, I want to talk about this love that's the antithesis of what was being talked about with this mystery of iniquity. But talk about Yahshua's love toward us and the hope for us, the creature, and the hope of soul salvation like was being talked about. So let me just say, uh, if the scripture readers can start in 1 John 4 and 11, please. 1
3: John 4 and 11. Yep. Beloved, if Yahweh so loved us, we are also to love one another. No man has seen Yahweh at any time. If we love one another, Yahweh dwelleth in us. And his love is perfected in us.
7: So that was like um, it has said uh, over in 1 John 3 and 14, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loves not his brother abides in death. So he's just, you know, still working on that idea. Go ahead.
3: Um, Verse 13, hereby know we that we dwell in him. And he and us, because he hath given us of his spirit.
7: And that spirit bearing witness to spirit. Okay. It's uh, before you just had condemnation and you were just a carnal mind and you're just out there aimlessly in the world trying to find some kind of um, satisfaction or some kind of pleasure. And most times when you're carnal, your pleasures will be in sin. Okay, so now we're talking about he's given us of his spirit. So you got spirit bearing witness to spirit in righteousness, righteousness, peace, and joy in your conscience, in your heart, in your mind. So go ahead.
3: And we have seen and do testify that the father sent the son to be the savior of the world. Mm -hmm. Whosoever shall confess that Yahshua is the son of Yahweh, Yahweh dwelleth in him and he in Yahweh.
7: Now you cannot do that unless you have seen that for a reality. You can say it with your mouth because you can read it in the Bible and say, Oh, I better say that in my next sermon, but you cannot confess with your heart of you can't confess Yahshua and you can't confess Yahweh unless He's put that spirit in you. Go ahead.
3: And we have known and believed. The love that Yahweh hath to us. Yahweh is love. And he that dwells in love dwells in Yahweh. And Yahweh in him.
7: So that's quite a tight little bond there. That that Yahweh is love. He dwells in love. And we dwell in him. So we're in that love. Now here's where this strong part comes. uh, Read 17 and 18.
3: Verse 17, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world.
7: Now, let's just say this, Dr. Kinley showed us that the day of judgment is now in this sense that every single day, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, every single day, there's a judgment going on of what's happening around you your behavior, your responses, reaction to things. Every single day, because we have the Holy Spirit, we are working, discerning, and judging what's going on and what to do next. Okay, So we're in that day of judgment now because that Spirit's in us. And that's how we have boldness, because we know that we're in righteousness because we're not suffering condemnation. That was the old way. That was from Adam. When Adam partook of that tree and him and Eve fell, that's where condemnation started. And it was darkness. It was dark all the way from Adam, all the way down to Joshua. And what I mean by darkness was in man's conscience, in their heart and in their mind. They suffered condemnation and there was no way around it because it says in Romans, there's none righteous, no, not one. So every man had sin and every man suffered by that sin. Okay. So now we're talking about after Pentecost, after the spirit is put within men's hearts and men's minds, you're going to have a boldness because you know that you're right with Yahshua. It's It's a power that's already been talked about in the prayer. And it's already been talked about in the scripture. It's been talked about in the gospel. There's power in the gospel to raise somebody's soul and that's how you have that boldness when you've been raised from the dead and you know you have because spirit is bearing witness to spirit and that's why we say the things we say and we want everybody to experience the same things that we have experienced because there is a boldness and there is a joy It's like seeing somebody being raised from the dead. It's something very powerful. And it happens every time Pentecost takes place in somebody's mind and their hearts are taken from that darkness that Diane had read. Yahweh said, I form the light and I create darkness. So you're not getting out of that darkness unless Yahweh lets you out. And we've talked and talked and talked about this. And it's also very powerful. Who's doing the work? Okay. And we might get that in John, uh, the sixth chapter. Linda, if you could find that, it's John 6 and maybe 25 or 26, something like that. Um, Just really super powerful, um, taking it out of a uh, self righteous act that you're doing and just realizing who is causing all these things to happen. Let me see here. I'm going to hop over there with you. Yeah. yeah, so it's 28, uh 628 and 29. Let's just okay. think about this, uh, what's being said here because this is uh they're asking Yahshua some questions and his answer is just amazing. Go ahead. John six
5: twenty-eight. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of Yahweh?
7: Now, hasn't everybody asked that question? Now, what should I do? What do I got to do? Or if you haven't asked it outward, you've asked it within yourself. Is uh, reading the Bible from cover to cover? What shall I do to work the works? Is going to church every day? Is bake sales? What is that the works? Is uh, going down to soup kitchens? What shall I do to work the works of Yahweh? Right? Go ahead.
5: Yahshua answered and said unto them, This is the work of Yahweh,
7: that ye believe on him whom he hath sent. So it's something that is so opening of your eyes that the work of Yahweh is that you might believe on him. So him putting his spirit into you. And I also need 1 um, Corinthians. Um, let me see here. 1 Corinthians talks about the darkness. And so we'll, we'll stay on this idea because the darkness of those hearts of the Roman Catholic Church to do that to children—I don't care what nationality and culture they were of—that you could actually do that to kids is is unimaginable. And it happened, and it happened over and over again. It happened to what Ricky was saying with the the nation, um, the uh, of the Indian Nation. It, it happened, you know, with with altar boys. I mean, it's just hideous. And it's talking about that darkness. So I want, um, I don't know if I'm going to put my hands on it that quick. It's just talking about spirit bearing witness to spirit. And um, I think I got it a little bit confused with 2 Corinthians 4th chapter because that's talking about darkness as well. But this is talking about um. In other words, you're not coming up with it yourself. It's Yahweh showing you and it's him bearing witness. And it is more or less saying spirit. Okay, here it is. First Corinthians two and okay. First Corinthians two and thirteen, please. And Linda, let's, we'll, we'll uh, probably read John again, okay? So, Scott, if you could read uh, 1 Corinthians 2 and start at 13. Okay.
3: Um, oh, right, first, wait a minute.
7: Is that the wrong? Let's see. Okay, maybe 12. I'm sorry.
3: Okay, 1 Corinthians 2 and 12. Yeah. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of Yahweh. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of Yahweh.
7: So we have to receive the spirit of Yahweh to know the things of Yahweh. So you didn't you did not get that yourself. You did not find that yourself. You did not come to this class yourself. You can hear test. I mean, if you if you sit and listen to Daryl last week on his testimony about his journey to get to class, you're gonna see that Daryl didn't do that himself. None of us did it ourselves. It's so amazing at how he brought us together. Go ahead.
3: Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Spirit teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual.
7: Now, how in the world are you going to compare spiritual things with spiritual? We read almost every class, Romans 1, 19 and 20. That the invisible things of Yahweh, okay, invisible things of Yahweh, how are you going to compare invisible things to invisible things when you're carnal and your eyes only see what's physical? So you see where you're you're a lost ball, Dr. Kinley used to say lost ball in high weeds. He had some really goofy sayings, but they really put you to the point. See, you just don't have a prayer. And that's why we get on these lectures and we get in these classes and we trip over ourselves, trying to say enough times how to praise Yahshua, because we just see the sadness (laughs) of ourselves and how there was not one single chance that you were going to come up out of this on your own. Not one single chance. See, and like Diane said, it's not that you just came into class and then he started working with you. He who started working with you when you were selected way back in the womb, when you were selected and brought forth, you did not jump up and grab onto those fallopian fingers and get a ride down to the womb and say, okay, where's the sperm to, you know, to collect me? That did not happen. Neither did this happen to any one of us. That's why it's we're, we're just shouting happy. And anybody that can hear the word and come into this truth We're just shouting happy for you because we're of nothing. We're just the bride or the body of Yahshua. So it says that the Holy Spirit is doing the teaching and comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So that means you've been brought up to a higher elevation in your heart and in your mind. So now the next verse is so amazing to me because it really takes it out of the realm of us. Putting anything together. Go ahead and read it, Scott.
3: But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of Yahweh, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned.
7: So now, which one of us came into class not as a natural man? Not one. We all came in as natural, carnal minded people. And we came down because somebody asked us to. Or we came down because we saw an ad in the paper and said, well, what's metaphysics? This is something to do on Saturday night. Or we came down, uh, you know, just bored, uh, just hoping, searching for something. But we came down as natural mankind, okay? And you are not going to receive the things of the spirit because they're foolishness unto you. And some people have actually said how foolish they thought this teaching was. They've written us letters. They've told their spouses. They've told their companions. They've told us, you know, they shook their head and their hand and said, Bye, how how foolish this is and Yahoo and Yabu and made all kinds of mockings. But you know what? We're in good company when they mocked Yahshua on the cross. He said, get yourself down. You did all these healings to everybody else. Get yourself down now off that cross. See, it wasn't what was in the will of the father to do. But the natural man is going to call this foolishness. And that's why, once again, we're shouting happy because he's taken us from that plane to a higher plane. And we're no longer natural men. In this regard, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in a natural body. See what I mean? So." Uh, read that again, Scott, the natural
3: man. First okay, Corinthians 2 and 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of Yahweh, for they are foolishness done to him. Neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man.
7: Okay, so now did it not say over in First John? We're talking about the judgment day. We're going to go back to first John and finish that as well. But didn't it say the judgment day and we're Mm. in that judgment day every day. And that's how we are judging all things, but not judged. Okay. We're judging all things. We can't help ourselves. If you see a car ahead of you screeching and, and, uh, going off the road and hitting the guardrail, guess what? You're going to judge. Oh my gosh. I hope they're okay. I hope, you know, you're going to make a judgment and that's just the natural reaction. It's like a knee jerk reaction, but we're, we're not going to be judging other people because that's not our job. Okay. But we are judging all things that are happening. And we have that power with the Holy spirit in us to know right from wrong. Okay, go ahead, Scar. Finish that off in Corinthians.
3: For who hath known the mind of Yahweh, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind
7: of Yahshua. Okay, so now we're not going to be trying to instruct the Father and telling anybody what to do or what to say. But guess what? We have the spirit or the mind of Yahshua. And guess what yashua's He is in the bosom of the Father. He's the heart of the Father. We have the heart of Yahweh being Yahshua. We are in him and he's in us. And you know these things are different than what you used to think because you used to only consider yourself and what was good for you. And now you're in a different day. When we talk about the seasons, okay, the death, the burial, the resurrection, that resurrection is a glorification to Yahshua. It's a sign to us that his power goes on. It's not just like, oh, boy, now I can turn my heat down and not pay a high bill. And now I don't have to shovel the driveway. You know, those things go through your mind. But guess what? It's still the glorification of Yahshua. So now we're talking about Yahshua. Now, Linda, let's have you read John. Let's just get that pinned down once more. Yahshua answered and said. Uh, Yahshua answered and
5: said unto them. This is the work of Yahweh that ye believe on him whom he hath sent.
7: Now, this is the work of Yahweh that you believe on him. So Yahweh is going to cause you to believe on him whom he sent, which is Yahshua. So when the the devil comes knocking, you're not going to have to worry about it. Because your house is sealed. It talks about that over in Ephesians. It talks about the purpose and the plan of of this Yahshua. And it talks about our hearts being sealed. And we've often used the example of a jar, like in canning. When they seal the jar, it doesn't let any air or anything in so that what's been canned stays good until you're ready to use it. It could be, you know, a year later. But nothing's going to get in there to make it rot. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. We're sealed with this Holy Spirit of promise. Okay, so now we're going to go over to Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter, because once again, I would just want to bring back to your, your remembrance that Diane pulled that scripture, and Ricky talked about the darkness of men's hearts and men's minds. Diane pulled in Isaiah. It said, I am Yahweh, right? I am. Form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, Yahweh, do all these things. And one of the greatest gifts that we have in this uh, gospel is that we understand the power of darkness and the prince of this world, which is that mystery of iniquity. And, you know, people often say, you know, get uh, stay close to your friends, but stay even closer to your enemies. Because you want to know what they're up to. You want to know where they're coming from. And that's just exactly what was happening with um, Judas. He was one of the 12. He was with Yahshua that whole time that Yahshua was in his ministry. Judas was there. And he was going to be the one to uh, to betray Yahshua. So we're talking about dark. And we're talking about light. And we're talking about all of us having been in darkness. And now anybody with the Holy spirit in them is now in this light in this light of this glorious gospel. So you're, you're not suffering this fear. Maybe before, let me see here, Scott, how far did I have you read in first John four? We talked about the day of judgment. Okay. I didn't get to the the meat of it. So read 17 and 18 in first John. Okay. And then we will go, Linda, to Second Corinthians, the 4th chapter. Um. 4.17 um, of First right. John. First John 4 and 17.
3: Yep. Here, here is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love.
7: See, that's what I'm going after, that there is no fear in love. And so having a a change of heart and a change of mind, in my own personal testimony, that if you know... in always in all situations that Yahshua has you in the palm of his hand that you're not going to have that fear of what's ahead and it's a lot of things i think it's more prevalent they say in statistics it's more prevalent in women than in men because the women are nurturing and when the children are involved you're afraid for the children so that's what i was saying when ricky was saying you know you know dragging your kids away and and you never see them again or they're in some kind of a You know, unmarked grave. it's just it's just so hideous you can't even think about it. But you start to get this fear of what's out there and what could happen, and you start to make the boogeyman alive and make him larger than life. And what this gospel does, and this power of the hope that Yahshua has given us, it reduces and reduces and reduces that boogeyman until he no longer is there. Because you're talking about perfect love. Okay. And there's no fear in that. So no matter what happens, whether it's good, bad or ugly, there's no fear because you trust Yahshua completely. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm talking about to move from that fear to this perfect love. Okay. And that's what Diane was talking about. And that's what Rick was talking about, that that's what we have found in this gospel. So now I want to go over just for a minute to show you. Now, you know, you could be afraid of the dark. If you don't know, like, say your house is completely black and dark and you hear a noise. You could be afraid. You could be worried. What's out there? What's there? See, and that's, you know, how you could have run your life is that you were afraid of the dark, afraid of what's out there. You don't know. And here's Paul talking to the corinthians and he's showing how yahshua took the whole world the whole creation and brought it in uh, genesis diane was talking about genesis the first chapter talking about it was darkness and he said let there be light and there was light now here's the spirit here's this yahshua or yahweh elohim Being able to do that with the entire earth, the whole creation. And all he's doing that for is for a witness, the physical revealing the spiritual, to show you his power, what he can do, let there be light in your heart and in your mind. It's such a powerful witness. And that sun in the sky, and when it looks like the sun's going down, it actually doesn't go down, but the earth turns around. And when it looks like the sun's going down and then the moon comes out, right? The moon actually does not have any light of its own. So it's another testimony to what we're talking about with this devil. He does not have the power over light. This is Yahshua's power. And he'll let him go just as far as he'll let him go. You can read about that in Job. The sons the sons of Yahweh Elohim are gathered and guess who's there? mystery of iniquity satan so he's out there and he's got a certain power but there is no fear in this perfect love that we're talking about with Yeshua. so we're going to bring ourselves show us in second corinthians the fourth chapter how this is going to come to pass and it's a witness in the in the scriptures a lot of times you don't know what you're you know what the, um, the beginning of the book is all about. You're not sure of all those crazy names and those generations and those people and they live forever. You know, you're just not sure what's all going on. But if you think about it as testament to what this Yahshua did when he came on the scene, it'll make it easier to understand. The law and the prophets, they're going to guide you. They're going to make you see the power of this Yahshua and what he did so that you can understand what he's doing in our hearts and in our minds. So we'll read 2 Corinthians 4 and 1.
5: Therefore, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of Yahweh deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves
7: to every man's conscience in the sight of Yahweh. See, now there's no hidden things of dishonesty. I'm going to give you a big, huge example, and that was Jim Jones. A big, huge example, hidden things of dishonesty, because he took a whole bunch of people over to another continent, started to, in a good way, started to establish growing their own crops. Everybody was uh, equal. Everything was uh, not like pollution and the fast city life. And people took their children there and they started making everything and and living in peace with God. Right. And then what does Jim Jones do? He He raises himself up higher and higher and higher because he gets more and more diluted by power. See, his heart was not in light. And what happens with all those people? he starts saying that he's got to make children with the young girls. That's a hidden thing of dishonesty because he messed with those people's minds enough so that those women were handing over their girls. Those husbands and wives were handing over their children. And it got sicker and it got sicker and sicker until it came to a, it came to an end and a lot of people died. And this isn't the first time you got Waco. You got all kinds of people rising up And if they can get three people to say, oh, yeah, he is the Messiah, he's the one, then you've got trouble. It's hidden things of dishonesty. Now, when you look at Dr. Kinley, he had a whole slew of people in his class when he was in the flesh and he died in 1976. He had a whole slew of people and he could have had a whole slew more because Sweet Daddy Grace that was out of New York City, he offered Dr. Kinley money to Come and preach with him because he saw the power of Dr. Kinley's gospel. Now, guess what? The hidden things of dishonesty were with this sweet daddy Grace and the rest of them, okay, because they all fell. But here's Dr. Kinley. He don't take your mortgage. He don't take your girls. He don't take anything from you that's going to cause you a problem. Yeah, they brought him, you know, they brought him this and that, and they thought that they were winning over, you know, getting God, winning over God. But guess what? He did not suffer us for anything that was untrue. And these people, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, because that's what people will do. If you're looking for soul salvation and somebody sounds good and they sound strong and they sound like they're you know, hot in the scriptures, you can fall, but not with the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're so happy and glad to be here that Yahshua has seen fit to raise us from the dead. And Rick was talking about that resurrection and talking about that gift of life. So renouncing the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness. Go ahead, Linda. Um,
5: read not that again. Handling. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not, nor handling the word of Yahweh deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of Yahweh. But if our gospel be hidden, it is
7: hidden to them that are lost. If our gospel be hidden, now, okay, so what's our gospel? Is It's definitely like it was said earlier, it's definitely not reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It is not our gospel. Our gospel, as was said in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verses 1 through 4, says what our gospel is. Simply, Joshua's death, his burial, his resurrection okay so if that is hidden and if you're if you're saying that's foolishness and that's stupid and I'm going back to my church it's hidden to them that are lost go ahead in whom the god of this world hath
5: blinded the minds of them who believe not lest the light of the glorious gospel of Yahshua, who is the image of yahweh should shine unto them
7: okay so we've got a mystery of iniquity, the God of this world, has been able to blind the minds of them who believe not. Now, remember that when she was reading over there in John, right? Remember, it said, this is the work of Yahweh, that you believe on him, whom he has sent. So, Yahweh has to have you believe, and this mystery of iniquity can blind your mind, okay? Okay. And you will not believe in this gospel or the light of the the light of the glorious gospel of the Messiah, right? Who's the image of Yahweh Elohim, and is who it should shine unto them. Where is it going to shine? Listen, folks, it's going to shine in your heart and in your mind. You're and you got you got some really really intense ex, examples like with Helen Keller. That woman was in absolute complete darkness. And through a gift from Yahweh, although I'm not saying she had the Holy Spirit, I'm not saying that at all. But it was a gift that Yahweh allowed that woman to find a way of communication. And her mind was then gone from darkness into light. Now, she's a heavy-duty example. She never did receive her sight or anything like that. I'm not saying that. But she's an example. And we can see that that's how we were out in the world. We were just helter skelter to whatever we thought we wanted, we did. Whatever we thought made us happy, we would try to reach for it. Not talking about that anymore. Everything has changed, everything has shifted to do the will of the Father now instead of just doing your own will, which was getting you nowhere. So now, uh, five, Linda.
5: For we preach not ourselves. But Yahshua, the Messiah, our Savior, and ourselves, your servants,
7: for Yahshua's sake. Now, you can't believe something. I mean, you can't preach something wholeheartedly unless you absolutely have seen it and you believe in it. Let me show you what I mean. Uh, Scott, can you go over and get Hebrews uh, 11 and 6, please? Mm -hmm. And, And these things, you know... You just never even considered them before. And when you sit in these classes and you hear speaker after speaker after speaker, and they start bringing out things like Moses at the burning bush saying, what is your name to (laughs) Yahweh Elohim? It is just so, you never even thought of that. It was just God to me. It was just Lord to me. And, you know, I sit on a bus. And um, in the morning and they play K-Love and it's like this, you know, Christian radio station. I can't tell you how many songs are singing about his name. And they say, Lord, we love your name. And, you know, it just is it's such darkness. They can't even come up out of it. Lord, we love your name. Lord isn't a name. They never, ever say the name of Yahweh, but they're just singing these. And they're really pretty songs, but they never get to it. Go ahead, Scott.
3: Hebrews 11 and 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to Yahweh must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him.
7: Now, prior to understanding what was truly going on with Yahshua doing the work and and saving my soul and and, uh, his spirit in me, making believe, so I thought when I read that, that I must believe that he is because that's my job, that I must believe and I must be somebody that is diligently seeking him. But guess what? Those are works of you. They're works of your thoughts. They're works of what you want to try to do. And guess what? If you're really, really good at it and you look over at your brother and he's not so good at it, you're going to judge him. You're going to say, I must be better than him. I must be a better. I must get a greater reward. I must be higher in the heavenly ranks than him. See, but if you know that he come, that he that comes to Yahweh must believe that he is, because Yahweh allowed him to believe. We're all on the same level playing field, and he's a rewarder. That's right, because we all get the same penny. So you see how pretty it is, and you see how natural. I don't mean natural in the sense of carnal, but it's just such smooth. It's such a smooth way. And, and nobody has to get higher than the other or, you know, try to seek the, the front seat or trying to be, you know, something that they're not. We all know that Yahweh's done the work and we're all just, we're just shouting happy. We're just, we don't care who's who. There's no big eyes. There's no little use. And that's for sure in Yahshua, he's the head we're the body and, you know, you know yourself what you, how you take care of your own head compared to how you take care of your own arm. Little bit different. So, Yahshua is going to have the glory, and the rest of the body is very necessary, but it's not quite as important as the head. Let's face it. Okay, so now, Linda, go back to Corinthians. Um, Second uh,
5: Corinthians 4 6. For Yahweh Elohim, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shown in our hearts. To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Yahweh in the face of Yahshua, the Messiah.
7: So if you see, going back to Genesis, the first chapter, if you see Yahweh saying, let there be light, commanding the light to shine out of darkness, right? Let there be light. And it was so. And he he shows this to Moses, right? And Moses writes it down. And this same power that Yahweh Elohim possesses to do that with the creation of the entire world has shown in our hearts and gave us the light of the knowledge of the glory of Yahweh in the face of Yahshua. He gave us the light of the knowledge. So we're saying once again, we didn't put two and two together and come up with spiritual four. And say, look what we did. We we just weren't able to do that. But he's shown in our hearts. And whether it was your first class or your 21st class, he's shown in your hearts. And you're sitting under the sound of the gospel because he did that. So we don't want to make any mistakes about who is going to get the glory. Not in this class anyway. So now let's just go over for a minute and let's go over to the scripture reading and talk about this Yahshua the Messiah, our Savior, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, which I hope you have seen that we've been talking about this whole class. Sorry. First chapter, first, Second sure. Timothy, yeah. first chapter. Sorry.
3: You want to attend what you just called, or? Uh, let me see
7: what, yeah. Yeah, that would be fine. Yep. We'll go. Oh, no, wait a minute. I'm sorry. The pot. I, I know, but I want you to go. I want you to pick up the spirit of fear. We might as well just grab that because I already spoke of it and we're there. So let's just try seven and we'll get right down to ten. Yep.
3: Okay. Second um, Timothy one and seven. But Yahweh hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love. And of a sound mind. Be not therefore, thou therefore, ashamed of the testimony of our Savior, nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of Yahweh.
7: Now, okay, so I would ask the question if anybody knows, just shout it out Is Paul actually a physical prisoner right here, or is he just a prisoner of the gospel?
3: He's a prisoner of the gospel.
7: Okay, go ahead.
3: Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Yashua the Messiah before the world began.
7: Okay, Linda, let me have you go to John 1426 and and see I just hope that everybody is just getting just the whole idea. Just the comforting idea of this Yahshua and what he has done for us because all our lives we were subject to fear and we were subject to the bondage of death and we did everything to not die. And we were afraid of death and that has been taken away because it's, it's life after death and we know that for a surety. That's why we harp on that tabernacle. It shows you that there's a death on the altar. There's a burial in that um, labor. And then there's holy anointing oil that allowed the priest to go into another compartment that was absolutely completely different than that court roundabout. And it showed life after that death. And that's what we're talking about. That's Yahweh's pattern. Look it, if you understand how somebody works and you say, well, every day he gets up and he has his coffee. And by 7.30, he's showered and shaved. And by 8 o'clock, he's out of the house. You know that person's pattern. So if you want to catch him, you'll be at his driveway at 8 o'clock because you know that's when he leaves for work. Well, this Yahweh, we know that for every death, there's a burial. For every burial, there's a resurrection. That's the gospel. We know how he works, and we know that he brings us into the holy place. Now, what's in the holy place? Light, sustenance and there is incense which is showing that there is going to be an a way to communicate between the spirit of Yahweh and mankind in that whole in that holy incense it's it's something that you never thought about in church unless you saw the priest walking up and down i never did you know the catholic thing but i know they used to walk up and down with an incenser see and you just thought, oh, wow, that's pretty mystical. That's pretty holy, whatever you thought. But it really didn't do anything for your soul because you just left and you're still in darkness. So we're talking about a holy calling now, which everybody's talked about tonight. We're talking about a holy calling, something that you didn't you know, sign up for, but you're here. Not according to your works. Doesn't matter how many times you tried to read the Bible Doesn't read how many times you went to church. Doesn't even matter. Daryl went to seminary school. Does not matter. According to his own purpose and grace. And if you want to know what that's about, you read Ephesians, the first chapter, verse 9, and read down. Okay? His own purpose and grace. Because none of us were worthy. None of us were worthy. But once we see Yahshua on that cross and he allows us through his Holy Spirit to accept the blood of the Lamb, you're talking about a different day. Go ahead, Scott.
3: Uh, Verse 10, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel.
7: So when Ricky had that read, about the gospel is the power of Yahweh unto soul salvation. That's what we're talking about here. Now, he's given this power to Yahshua before the world began. And then when Yahshua comes on the scene, he's got a job to do. We read about that oh, a couple weeks ago. It was in John 5 and I think 37. He said, the works that the father gave me to finish. He was on a mission and people didn't understand his mission. That's why they're just trying to pick up whatever he's doing and do it. And that is not going to do you any good. It is not going to do you any good to even try to carry a cross or to cut yourself. Some people cut themselves because that's, you know, the way Yahshua was whipped on the cross. They cut themselves. And Paul says, be careful of the concision because guess what? It's only unto your glory. It's nothing to do with anything towards Yahshua. He doesn't ask you to do that. See? So before the world began, all these people that were these souls were given to Yahshua and now as it's time it says in Galatians the fullness of time now here comes this Joshua on the scene as a physical man it said we sat down we ate with him we talked to him we walked with him he comes as a physical man and he does a ministry for three and a half years and gets on a cross and finishes an old covenant I never even heard of an old covenant before I came into class. I never, I don't know if I heard of a new covenant. That might've been a common word, but no idea what it meant. No idea whatsoever. Okay. And he's saying in 10, he's now made manifest by the appearing of our savior. Now, Yahshua didn't just die like 2000 something years ago. And that's it. And we're waiting for him to come back. I said, we're in the day of judgment now. And that is that Holy Spirit in your heart and in your mind. That means he's right here today. He is right here today, every minute of every day. And your thoughts are the testament to that spirit bearing witness to spirit. It's a beautiful thing. And it's a confidence in our heart and it's a joy in our heart. And when you hear other people talk about the joy that they've experienced, you're sharing in that it's brethren to brethren. It's the love of the brethren, right? Now this Joshua, he abolished death. Okay. Guess what that's going to do? Abolishing death means there's no fear. There's no fear of something that's been taken away. He abolished death, brought life and immortality to light through the what? The death, the burial, the resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah according to the scriptures. Now, you never heard about that according to the scriptures. So, (coughs) excuse me, if we go back and we start talking about all the examples where people went through a death, a burial, resurrection, and if you want to Uh, See that in summary, go read uh, Hebrews, the 11th chapter. All those men that they did all these things by faith, they went through a death, a burial, a resurrection, you know, and um, they were sawn asunder and they, you know, all kinds of crazy things that these men did because they were driven by faith. And guess what? If you're driven by faith, you're not driven by fear. Perfect love casts out fear. And that's what we're talking about, that once you abolish death, and you have brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Okay, go ahead and read, Scott. And 11.
3: Sorry, uh, Sorry. Verse 11, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, And am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed on him against that day.
7: Paul was persuaded. Now, Paul, he's a crazy character in this Yahshua's purpose because he was so committed to killing Yahshuans. I mean, you want to talk about somebody that might have a little guilt or a little worry about, you know, his actions and the things that he did. He called himself a blasphemer. Thank you. I see that five minutes. He called himself a blasphemer. He was killing Yashuans, And you can read about him, you know, consenting to killing Stephen. Okay. So he was quite zealous. And then Yahshua has a purpose. And this is so wild that Yahshua has a purpose. And right from the beginning, it said back there that Yahshua, before the world began, He's going to have a purpose and he's going to have some grace. And Paul's going to be part of that purpose. He's going to be part of that grace because he committed crimes against Yashua's, Yashuans. And yet and still, Yashua allowed him to come into the fold because he was one of his before the world began. So, you know, whenever you sit down and the mystery of iniquity gets on your back and starts saying, oh, you can't be you can't possibly be. Look at you. Look at this. Look at that. We all got our list, folks. But you know what? The slate was wiped clean. There is no more list. There is no more list. And let's just finish with Hebrews. Um, Linda or Scott. Hebrews. Let me see here. Okay. Hebrews 8. And start at at. Uh, let's see. Hebrews 8 and 10. 10.
5: For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith Yahweh. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts. And I will be to them an Elohim, and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, No, Yahweh. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith, a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and groweth old is ready to vanish away.
7: So now he's talking about, at this point, he's talking about the Israelites, and he's talking about what he was going to do and wiping out that old covenant. And he's going to be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities. Will he remember no more? Now that's also what the Gentiles are able to partake of that clean slate, that clean slate of having you were absolutely, there's none righteous, no, not one. And he's being merciful And he's not remembering any iniquities, he's not remembering any sins. It's a clean slate, it's a clean day. And if you can keep that in the forefront of your mind, then that mystery of iniquity cannot work with work on you about guilt, about things that you might have done that you're sorry for. Let it go. Look forward. Paul says, I press towards the mark of the high calling. Every day, Paul had a lot he could have been wallowing in with his actions, but he said, I press towards or I go forward towards the mark of the high calling. I hope you got something out of that. I trust Joshua, and Joshua was certainly uh, praised tonight and appraise his name again. Turn it back to the moderator.
0: Thank you very much, Dr. Cometty. And that'll conclude our class. I'd like to thank everyone for attending. We uh, have Zoom classes every Wednesday from 7 to 9, and we also have in-person classes every Saturday at the Bramley Library in Jordan, New York from 7 to 9. We'll end the class with a doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude and the Holy Name Bible. Now, unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let the class say, Hallelujah.
3: Hallelujah.
2: hallelujah.